February's Morphe Auction kicked off what looks to be another exciting year for Star Wars collecting events. In the auction, 450 Kenner carded figures, all originating from one owner, were sold to the highest bidders. The offering featured eight of each of the first 21 Star Wars figures, including the heavily desirable bounty hunter Boba Fett. Collectors were stunned to find that five of the eight Luke Skywalker carded figures were the rare double-telescoping variants. When the final hammer dropped on Wednesday afternoon, the Star Wars segment of the auction had pulled in more than $900,000, including the buyer's premium. But what was the auction really like? That's a question for some of our collecting friends who were in the room that day at the Morphe Auction House in Denver, Pennsylvania. This is part two of a look at the first major Star Wars collecting event of the year. This is a live report from Morphe Auctions, from those who watched the bidding unfold firsthand. This is a series of collector conversations as they recap the Morphe experience for all of us. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Part one of the Morphe series, Steve Renzi and Sam Sams gave us live updates from their morning trips to the venue and through some of the bidding on the carded vintage figures. And we also sat down with Steve and two other collectors as they recapped their experiences from the day. Jonathan McElwain shared a very interesting nugget with us, that the Star Wars portion of the auction brought in more than $900,000. And he, Steve, and Matt Fox helped to paint a fuller picture of the event during the conversations. They shared some of the funny, surprising, and connective moments that make a collector's trip like this a worthwhile adventure for a Star Wars fan. And for part two, we have more updates from the floor, and another round of collector conversations. And I think you'll find them to be pretty interesting, and very insightful. So if you're ready, let's join Sam in the auction room, as bidding begins on another carded double-telescoping Luke and 21-back Boba Fett. The Luke is the fourth carded example offered, and is the only one with the yellow bubble. Knowing that, you may have expected it to sell for less than the previous three, which ended in the $26,000 to $28,000 range. Let's see where it winds up. Take it away, Sam. Here comes the fourth double telescoping Luke. This one is punched. 
20,000 to 20, 21,000, 22 to 24, 22,000 here to 24,000, 24 to 26, 26,000 to 26,000, 24,000 dollars here on line now, 26,000 dollars to 26 to 28. Looks like this one's going to go higher even though it is punched and the saber is fully up into the hilt. But it's still very nice. The early DT buyers did better if they got that one and not this one. Whoa, here we go. Thought we were done. Now we're at 30. And it's got a yellow bubble, and the saber is shoved up to the hilt. Got a buzz in the room as this thing hit 30. Everyone's panicking they didn't get the first three. There's only one more after this one. There we're at 34. The volume picks up in the room. You know, if, if nothing else, if nothing else, this is entertaining. I'm afraid to scratch my nose in case they might think I want it. Here we go. Quiet. $34,000. Okay, here we got a Boba Fett. It's a 21A back. 21A back. Wow, that last Luke. Next up, I'm going to Star Wars. Uh, what do we have? 12,000, 13,000, 12,000, 13,000. 13's kind of been the number on Boba Fett today. Let's see if this one goes a little higher as the the chances kind of diminish for people that may want it. $12,000. So the Boba Fett's haven't taken off like the Luke so far. There's still a couple more coming. And we're approaching a figure that Sam is targeting for his collection. Okay, so we're two, three lots away from my first lot that I'm interested in. I'm interested in a 12-back Darth Vader. I already have one, but it's not in the greatest condition, so I'm looking to upgrade mine. The starting bid's going to be about 
three, four hundred dollars away from what I'm comfortable paying. So more than likely, I'll bid once, get outbid, and then that'll be that. But um, we're going to give it a crack and wish me luck. And hopefully, I don't get the fever and way overbid just out of uh, sheer excitement. So. I'm looking at lot 1156 as a 12-back Darth Vader. Uh, looks to me like it's an excellent, excellent condition. So we'll see what happens. Stand by. Okay, here we go. My Darth Vader of lot 1156 is coming up next. We'll see if I can win it. I've probably got one, maybe two bids in me, and then I'll be outbid. So let's see how this goes. Here we go. That's it. I'm in at 18. So thanks. Nope. There, that didn't last long. <laughs> I'm out. I bid once at 1800 and it's immediately at 3200. Well, that's kind of funny. Well, at least I know that I picked a good one to bid on. <laughs> well, there's a couple more coming up. Let's see how it goes. But at least I got to bid once. That was kind of fun. Sam approached the auction the right way. He did his homework on the items. He came prepared, and he set parameters as to what he was willing to spend. I know he'll eventually find the right upgrade for his current 12-back Vader, and hopefully one without a 20% buyer's premium. Now, let's sit down with the legendary Yanache, DC collector Eric Janicki, for a collector's conversation about his experience at the auction. So, Eric, you attended the Morphe auction. Um, had, had you have been to a Star Wars auction previously? Um, yeah, I, I went to the one that was that celebration number, whatever. I kind of forget which one it was. The one um, that I guess Tom Derby um, did or had a bunch of stuff in, or maybe he just bought a bunch of stuff. I, my memory kind of is shaky on that one now that I think about it. But, yeah, and then um, – been to several other live auctions that um, included large Star Wars collections or just small Star Wars stuff. Um, but I had not been in person to any of the big ones recently, like at the prop store or if Hakes is running it, I haven't gone to them personally. So this is uh, the first kind of like major Star Wars uh, live auction I've been to in a while, other than local ones that just have, uh, you know, a, a smattering of, of, of Star Wars items in it. Well, I think you picked a good one. Um, why did you travel to Pennsylvania for the auction? So, of course, um, I heard, you know, on Facebook, I saw on Facebook the original posts of of the folks at Morphe um, saying they had this find and that they were going to be auctioning it off. And, um, and then, of course, I saw all the conversations subsequent to that, um, people who, you know, all the experts on Facebook who had to give their opinion on, on the find, on how Morphe originally was going to do it. Um, so there was just a big, you know, there's a lot of chatter about it. And Morphe for me is only a little over two hours drive away. Uh, so I decided, um, it would be a cool auction to go to. And I knew I'd have a lot of friends from the Pennsylvania collecting club, um, that would be going. And then of course, there was uh, many folks from the Washington, D.C. Uh, area collecting club 
um, that I'm a part of that wanted to go to the auction. So we all decided to kind of make it like a collector's event and just go and hang out and maybe buy stuff, maybe not, but at least we would just get together and be part of the day. So that's, that's the reason why I went. Given the, the high quality of the items and the amount um, of what I expected most items to sell for, I, I didn't go expecting to come home with a lot of items or maybe not any at all. So that wasn't a, a big factor for me to go. Really, it was more of a social event for me. Um, and also just to be, you know, a part of it and just to uh, live auctions to me are fun. Um, I just like the excitement of it. Um, and with phone bidding and online bidding to, to in addition to the the folks in the room, live bidding, um, it, it's just a fun atmosphere that I enjoy being in. And what was your impression of the auction when you were there? So I was very impressed with the Morphe auction house, um, the way they had everything displayed, uh, it looked like a museum. Um, so I was, I, I know some folks um, had some complaints with some items being mislabeled, you know, with like a, the wrong card back variation um, and maybe certain condition issues not being highlighted. Um, but there were so many items there. I, I'm going to somewhat give them a pass on that because they did make some corrections, um, you know, some amendments to their catalog, I guess you could say. Um, I still think they maybe missed a couple things here or there, but with the amount of volume, I, I, I don't think there was, I don't think it was because they were being sloppy or not caring. Um, I just think sometimes with that amount of items, you're going to have a very small percentage of mistakes being made. Um, but overall, I was very impressed with how they ran the auction, how they displayed the items. Um, I thought the catalog was beautiful. Although these days, any major auction house catalog to me just looks fantastic. So to me, it was on par with some of the recent prop store catalogs um, for Star Wars items. And so and that was another reason why I went is I wanted to get a catalog. I know I could order one online, but I knew they'd be cheaper in person. So, um, so I picked up a catalog just to have as reference material. But yeah, I mean, the, I, I was also, I love seeing the other non-Star Wars stuff they had. They had some awesome tin toys, like from the atomic, like space age era. Um, they had some incredible wooden large model boats um, that were just beautiful to look at. And I've, I heard, overheard some other folks who were there for that stuff um, or who know something about that, that hop, you know, that part of the hobby. And they were saying this is one of the finest collections of model boats they've ever seen. Um, so I, I didn't do much research into that of how they got that collection or if it was all one person's collection or they just, but it was just really cool to look at um, that and the tin toys. And of course I grew up collecting sports cards. Um, and so they had a large, not a lot, they had a lot of sports cards in the auction as well. Um, and, a, you know, so that was cool to look at. Um, and of course, you know, one of the highlights is, on day one, they also auctioned off the sports cards and we were able to watch them auction off the uh, 1952 Topps baseball brick of eight unopened wax packs, um, which after, you know, all the fees, I think sold for over $900,000. So that was exciting to watch. Um, so, yeah. I think that's a fair assessment of the entire auction, you know, that they had um, a number of of great sections, um, well developed stuff inside, and I, I think for something like the Star Wars segment, 
it, they likely, you know, this this really seemed to be their first big one. So of course there were going to be some mistakes in it, um, but you know, overall it, it seemed to be pretty solid. I, I just love the fact that we could go to a place like that as a meetup, essentially, and also that all of these carded figures, over 450 carded figures, are just displayed museum quality style um, for everyone to to see. And um, I even heard that you could you could go during the auction, you know, you could go back and and check all of them out, you know, as the lots were being called, right? Yeah. So I actually did that a lot because um, I mean, let's be honest, it was a nine to five day at an auction. So it was a long day, um, a lot of repetition of items. So, you know, you're sitting in this very comfortable chair. Everyone's, you know, kind of quietly talking to each other while the auction's going on, but it, it did get kind of boring sometimes. So that was a great thing is you could just walk right down the hallway back into the museum of carded figures. And I, I probably did that five or six, seven, eight times where I would just leave the auction room um, and then just go and just browse and look around because I kept saying to myself, how often do you have a chance to be in this kind of atmosphere and location where you can just see all these carded, nice carded figures just hanging out all together in these beautiful cabinets? So I did exactly that many times throughout the day just to kind of pass the time. Um, so, yeah, I just kept saying, wow, this is just so cool just to see all this, you know, awesome stuff in one place. Was there anything that you were targeting specifically from the lot? Not necessarily. There was a a lot of um, cards towards the end of the Star Wars section where it was like a bunch of wax packs, a bunch of loose cards, um, some garbage pail kids. And me and um, a couple other folks in the room kept saying, you know, is this a lot? Maybe we should go for and split it up. Because at the time, the online bidding was very low on that one. Um, so we were kind of scheming, you know, not really me. I was kind of part of the conversation, but there was a couple others who were scheming, trying to say, you know, what the max they were going to bid. So everyone goes back into the room when it's all ready to go, that particular lot. And it's like, all right, well, it's at 600 right now. We got to assume it's going to go to seven or eight. So the auctioneer is like 600. All right, I have 700. And then he goes, okay, online, I got 1450. And then so like in a matter of three oh seconds, we all just kind of like, well, we're out, you know? So we spent about two hours talking about this lot and what it really was worth and scheming how, you know, a couple guys were going to split it up. And then in three seconds, that whole one, that whole idea went out the window. So that was kind of comical <laughs> for me. So. I love that though. And I love that. I think the most special part about this is not the items being offered or anything, but that you and our friends had an opportunity to be in the same room, to huddle together and to discuss, you know, pieces that um, either you had questions about or that you were interested in or ones that you would target either by yourself or as a group. And I just, I love that, you know, there are still events like that where we can do that kind of stuff, you know, during a, a an auction or like a, a sales based um, event. Um did you did you happen to learn anything from our friends? Because I know there were a lot of discussions going on as the pieces were being auctioned. Yeah, I, I was about to mention that is another reason why I kept going out into the lobby area where the where the figures were is other folks are out there just talking. And so, like, I, I just always wanted to be around and maybe pick up a nugget of information here or there because um, everyone was analyzing everything. There was discussions being had. 
and I knew I could learn something. Now, right now, I can't say, oh, I learned that particularly that this card back, I didn't knew this about that. But I, I do feel like I walked away more informed. Um, and and one, another piece that we, there, there was a lot of conversation was one of the uh, double telescoping Lukes that sold. And it sold for higher than all the other ones by a pretty good factor, as I recall. And we and no one understood why, because actually in the picture, it kind of looked maybe like one of the worst condition ones as far as the bubble looked a little yellow. Um, and so everyone's kind of like, why did this one sell for so much higher? And so and at first it was, it was the one Luke where you could barely see the filament of the saber coming out of the hilt, you know, and then someone was wondering, <clears throat> is it even in there? Maybe it's a factory error and the, the you know, the telescoping part of the saber is not even there. So then we had one of the auction workers come and take it out. She wouldn't let us hold it. She wouldn't put it on its back. She would only hold it upright. And so you got like four or five guys all around this woman with this figure and we're on our <laughs> knees looking up, <laughs> you know, we have a flashlight, we have phones and we're looking underneath the figure. And it was just kind of funny because anyone who would walk by and see all these guys on their knees looking up, you know, <laughs> and this lady was wearing a skirt. It was just kind of hilarious, you know? And so, but I think we figured out that the, the saber was up there and it, we still kind of don't know why it sold for that much more. I don't know if you heard about that particular one or if anyone else told that story or, or I haven't checked Facebook since the auction ended. Like I haven't scoured any messages. I don't know if there's a good reason why that particular Luke sold for so much more or not. That's been one of the most talked about items uh, as far as these collector conversations that I've had. And, and you're just talking to, to people who were there or who were bidding on it and no one still has an answer yet. And okay. I think it's sold for over $40,000 with the buyer's premium. Yeah. And, you know, just for that price, um, hopefully we'll find out in the future. But as of right now, I don't think anyone has a, a real concrete answer. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, do you, do you view the auction as a success? I do. And here's why I thought about this. And here's why I say I do is because I overheard the owner of the auction house, what's it, Dan Morphy or whoever it is. Yes, Dan Morphy. Um, I overheard him a couple times saying that they they seem, you know, it was like halfway through the day and towards the end of the day, and he seemed pleased with the results. And so I, I took that as meaning that the owner of the items then were, was also pleased. Um, and I think you know, all most, maybe besides the loose AFA or the loose graded figures, you know, everything else seemed to sell for a price that it, nothing seemed to like say, wow, that went cheap. Maybe there were some of the lots of figures, like if they were selling four or five figures and a lot, um, like maybe once you divided that up, someone could say they got a good deal, but I think otherwise everything kind of went for market value or more. Um, and so I think overall, you know, I would say that the auction was a success for them, for the seller and for the auction house. And I guess for the hobby community, um, you know, I, that was another thing that kind of, you know, was interesting to me with this auction. There was so much chatter on the Internet beforehand. And I, I think at first it was legitimate, meaning people were like, why are they going to sell 
all the Lukes in one lot? Why are they going to sell all the Greedos in one lot? And there was some pushback on that from the collecting community to the auction house. And, you know, I think there were some lessons learned there and Morphe decided to change that. Right. Um, I mean, for the most part, everything sold as an individual figure for the most part. And that was not originally the plan from the auction house. So I think that was good chatter that resulted in something that was better for the hobby and also something better for the seller. And then there was all the chatter about should they get everything graded or the the good condition pieces graded or keep them raw. And that's where I kind of just, you know, so many people had opinions of, you know, the sellers doing himself a disservice. They're not going to get as much money as they would. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And first of all, when you're when you're not. If you're not the seller or if you've never been in a situation to sell a large collection, you you really it's hard to say what you really would do. You know, it's easy for a keyboard warrior to say the seller's stupid. They should uh, get all these things graded. They're going to make so much more money. But you know what? Some people don't want to wait six, nine months to get something graded. Some people don't want to spend that extra money. They just want to dump it all, get rid of it be handed over to an auction house or some, or a lot of comments were, Oh, they should, you know, they could sell this themselves and not use an auction house and make so much more money. You know what? I don't know if that's true because when you hand over a large collection like this to an auction house, like Morphe or like Hakes, they do such a good job to, to market it, to describe it, to photograph it, to sell it for you. It's worth those fees in my opinion, because that seller dumped everything to one person all at once and then washed their hands of it and said, give me my money at the end of the sale. That is, <laughs> that is a very big service that, you know, those to me, those auction fees are justified for as a seller, you know? So it's easy for someone to say, Oh, they could have made so much more money. But when you have this many items, if you have two or three or four items, that's one thing. When you have hundreds and hundreds of high quality stuff, you know, I, I think they did the right thing. I think it was a success for the seller, the auction house and, and for the hobby. It's a tough thing to navigate. I think if this were, say, a year or two ago when prices were at their, their peaks and there was a larger audience buying um, consistently, then, uh, you know, maybe that's that's a different scenario to consider. But um, I think I think the prices were pretty astounding considering that these were not graded items. And usually non-graded items tend to perform uh, to a lesser degree than graded yeah. ones at the bigger auctions. Well, I, I was... You know, I sat next to Andy Loney during a lot of the auction and I, I said to him a couple times, I'm like, you know, when when the auction first started, I was like, did, are we missing out on something here? Like, did we should we have researched this more? Because I didn't know if these prices for these ungraded figures were going low or high, like for some of the, the better ones, like the Fets and the Luke and then get them graded. And then, you know, you have a chance to, you know have the value increase dramatically. But I think the reason why my opinion is the reason why some of these ungraded figures sold as high as they did is everyone knew that these were high condition, you know, quality carded figures. And so they are taking a gamble that they are going to grade well, like an 85, you know, or even higher. So they may have been willing to spend more knowing that, I, I know they weren't uncirculated, but they basically were bought, put in a box and kept, the, you know. And so there was like a reputation with this collection of it being basically untouched, high quality condition. 
And so I think people were willing to pay more for ungraded stuff with the hope that they're going to like hit the lottery and get a, a, a 90 grade or something, you know? Um, so I, you know, maybe that was the reason why some of these ungraded figures sold for higher than what they typically would just because of the, the way this auction was marketed and the high condition quality of everything. Eric, I think that's a really great point. And I think you, you nailed sort of that, that gamble and the lore of buying these ungraded pieces with the expectation that I'm going to get an 85 or a 90. Yeah. So now that you've been to a Morphe auction, if you were to go to a future one, is there anything that you would do differently? For me personally, I I had a little bit of regret that I did not research the catalog better. I I went into this auction assuming I'm not going to probably get anything. Everything's going to go high. And so I didn't put in the homework for myself um, to really, you know, analyze each figure and, you know, what potentially could be good. Cause I mean, when you go to this, with this so many, with so many items, you got to believe some might slip through the cracks and you might be able to get a good deal, especially with a live auction where it moves quick and fast. Um, so I wish I had researched each figure better and kind of maybe earmarked several to say, and, you know, have a price point. And I, I didn't do that this time. I just kind of went to have fun. And um, when I was there, I kind of had a sense of, man, I should have, I should have paid more attention to this auction. Like as far as doing the, you know, looking up each item, verifying condition, um, seeing which ones were way better condition than other ones. Cause there were some, you know, some figures there that look great in the pictures and you look at them and oh, there's a bubble dent, there's a bubble crack, um, right. you know, things like that. And so, you know, perhaps, and, and again, I, I don't even know, I didn't read every description of every figure. So was that listed in the catalog that there's a crack in the bubble or, you know, or are you going to get it? Someone's going to buy it and get it home and be like, crap, I didn't know that. And then they're going to say, well, you should have come to the preview and looked at it yourself, you know? Um, so I, I kind of just wish I did a little bit more research on this, like beforehand. Um, that way I knew if, you know, cause when, when I do some auctions, local auctions, um, you know, that you can go to and also been online, I'll create a spreadsheet and I'll give my max amount. I want to pay for a lot, you know, with premium that, you know, I still think is a good deal. And so I know like immediately if I'm in or out on a lot and I didn't do that with this one, just because of the size of volume. And also I knew there's going to be so many people attending online on the phone and in person that I just kind of threw my hands up in the air and said, ah, this one, you know, nothing's, nothing's going to slip by on this one. So. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite moment from the day? Um, I would say my favorite moment of the day was maybe when the first big figure went up for sale, which I think was a double telescoping Luke. Um, and just there was the excitement there. I was just curious what it's going to go for. And then I mean, if I'm being honest, one of my second favorite moments was um, when the 1952 Topps baseball wax packs went up for sale just because I knew that was like for the sports card world. That's like a gem of a product. I mean, that's, you know, one of the one of a kind type fine. Um, But if I'm really being honest, 
One of the favorite moments of the day was when the guy said there was free food in the cafeteria. (laughs) (laughs) And so my, oh man, I came back with uh, some donuts and coffee and well, this was before he made an announcement that there was food. And I went to the kitchen there was all these donuts and bagels and, and coffee. And I came in and Andy's looking at me like, are you sure you were supposed to take that? Aren't those just for the employees? And I said, I could have sworn when I registered, the lady at the counter said, there's, there's going to be breakfast in the cafeteria. And so next thing you know, he goes, he comes back with some food and everyone comes. And then later in the day, the guy announces there's sloppy joes and salad and sodas in the fridge. And oh man, it was perfect. And then all the collectors were all, we were all planning to go out to dinner, um, you know, later after the auction and have a, you know, sit down dinner and just, you know, talk about the auction and catch up with everyone. But down the hallway in walks a cart with like probably 20 pizzas, you know, for dinner. And so we all look <laughs> at each other like we're eating dinner here. And all this was on the house. Morphe paid for it. They wanted to keep you there, keep you fed, keep you happy. So I thought that was a nice touch. I'm sure other auction houses do it, but it was a surprise to many of us. And even so, I was like, man, this is a three-day auction. I should just come back each day, just sit and watch the auction and get free food each day. So we were joking about that. Oh, no, it's it's like being at a little resort. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was like an all-inclusive Star Wars (laughs) resort, carded figure resort. My one regret, though, is Steve Renzi brought some uh, homemade venison Slim Jims. And he had a whole bag of them. They looked delicious. And I forgot to get one because I was filling up with all the free food. And that's my one regret from this auction is I did not get a Steve Renzi homemade venison Slim Jim from a month. I totally forgot. So I can promise you he's going to hear this and he's going to hand deliver them to you at the next <laughs> I event. I hope he does, yeah. Uh, Eric, it was great talking to you. I'm glad you had a great time at the uh, at the event. And um, I've been saying this to all of our friends and I truly mean this. And I, I really mean this when I say this to you. I hope that not only we can get together uh, for a meetup, you know, in, in the very near future, but also that one day we'd be able to attend an auction together. Cause I think, you know, it sounds like such a wonderful time and uh, I would just love to experience that with you. Yeah. Likewise, David, um, love your podcast. Um, you're fantastic. And I appreciate uh, you asking me to chip in on this one. Thanks. Well, we all love Yana Shea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're waiting on the the last double telescoping. Luke is coming up next. That last one went a little crazy. Um, I think it went off around 31 or 32,000 plus the buyer's premium. So let's see what this next one is. This one's unpunched. The other one was punched. So here we go. Let's see what it does. We're at 26,000. $26,000 to $28,000 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 to $28,000
Looks like there's not as much action on this one. My personal opinion is that those first two that went were nicer than these last three, but these last three, I think, went higher than the first two. So it's kind of interesting. Looks like we're going to sell at 26. 26,000, so for some reason that fourth one was the high one. Um, very interesting. Here comes Boba Fett. It is a 21B back. The 13,000 has been about the going number. Let's see if this one does anything else. Yep, 12, 13,000 has been the number. 12,000, Boba Fett. Okay, so this next one is a 36 unopened wax packs and a box of Series 1 Tops cards. We're at 10,000 already. I have 10,000 bid over 10 5, you need 10 5. I have 10,000 bid over 10 5, 10 5, 10 5. Who wants it? 10 5, 10 5, you need 10,500. 10,500, 10,500. Go to sell it. I have 10,000 online. Look here. 10,500. Last call, 10,500. $10,000 for 36 packs of 1977 Tops Star Wars Series 1 cards. Uh, that, believe it or not, actually wasn't a horrible deal if you go and look at what most recent ones have been sold, but still unbelievable with those fetch that much money now. And here's our friend Mark Rusciano, an Empire State Collector of all things Leia, to give us his take on traveling to Pennsylvania for the event. So, Mark, why was the event memorable for you? Um, I think that, uh, I think, I think for me, like, first of all, anything in the hobby that in, involves like a caravan, like a caravan of a meetup is always appealing. Um, uh, although I thought we were going to go to the diner afterwards and everybody bailed. So that kind of pissed me off. But ultimately, because, um, there's not there. I feel like there's not uh, a lot of events like this, like available, whether you want to argue it's historic or in the hobby or not, but um, I think it is. And I, I, I missed out on a lot 
so I want to make sure that, um, you know, when possible, um, to, uh, to make sure that I'm, uh, I'm a part of this kind of stuff firsthand. And, um, I think anytime you go to a live auction also, by the way, I'm looking for any excuse to go to a live auction is, uh, is not, uh, not hard to find. Is that why you traveled to Pennsylvania for this particular auction? Were, were you looking for a certain carded figure or was it more to spend time with people or a mixture of both? Uh, it is definitely not a mixture of both because I even just, I didn't, I didn't even plan to register when I walked in. Uh, I think, I think, I think I was handing my credit card information over anyway, just to get the, uh, to <laughs> sure. get the, to, to get the program. And so then I'd register, but, uh, that was my, uh, that was my, whether it was a uh, lie to myself or not, that was, um, uh, I had no intention of doing anything except witnessing. Uh, and just being there. And the fact that I knew that, um, you know, some important people, um, people at least I value as their opinions important in the hobby would be who I'd be having whispering inside conversations with or what turned out to be laughter um, for some of it. Um, I think that's also where the appeal was, is that, um, you know, the the gaggle of people that were there were um, there for a reason. And I just kind of, you know... Um, wanted to join in on that. One of the things that I missed from not being there was to be sitting with our friends as this stuff was going on and being able to just, you know, not only joke around and laugh and talk, but also to, to compare notes about certain items and, and to learn from one another. Was there anything that you learned from our friends while the auction was happening about the different items? I thought it was, you know, I thought that it was interesting because, um, you know the run of the the DT the DT carded run I thought was obviously more interesting than the the the, the FET situation going in because and I think the numbers proved it right because I think what FETs went like 13, 14, 13, 14, right so uh, but I I thought that the the carded DT stuff was interesting and then I also think confusing as, as it went on and you know please correct me if I'm wrong here like one went for was it. 31? What was the, the high one? So these are the five double telescoping Luke Skywalkers that sold. And I think the first three sold in the twenty-six dollars to $28,000 range. And then the fourth one, which was a yellow bubble, um, and, and there was some something questionable about it. Uh, it wound up selling for $34,000 before the buyer's premium. Right. That's what, 34. So interesting enough, like uh, even though I had the book in front of me and I had walked around prior, um, that was a head scratcher. And what I found interesting was that it's almost like, you know, the, 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 the educated uh, hobbyists around, around me at the time, they were less trying to figure out like why it went for that uh, price from a, like uh, I don't collecting perspective and more about why did somebody think it was worth that much? Right. And it was James Gallo who pointed out that maybe because there was less of the saber in view, right. That it was a fully, uh, you know, full, what's the opposite of retracted? Like it's a, it's a, the least, I think Jonathan called it the least scoped or like the least telescoped. Right. Uh, and, I thought that that was interesting that 
Uh, I hadn't picked up on that when I looked at it, right? I did pick up on the bubble being the yellow list, and that was the first thing that James Gowell said. Like, it was the first thing that what the first thing that followed laughter was this was the yellowest bubble, right? But then also, um, trying to find a reason that was one that he he put out there and i immediately got up and walked out to the floor and looked at it because i hadn't really thought about i'd never think about that um that the the saber tip was you know was uh it was so far in the second part the um the outer uh the outer outer shell right yeah yeah Yeah. so there okay i don't know i don't know how i don't know Again, it seemed like we we're fishing for reasons, right? Like either that or it was because it was one of the last and everyone's like, no, I can't walk away without a DT, a card of DT, Luke. Uh, but I don't I don't imagine that value should be put on a, a situation like that occurring. Don't know. Like it's like a, a less cracked, like an uncracked version of the double telescoping saber like i don't know like i don't know like why why it would but that was interesting because then i it was the first time i ran back out to the floor um you know to look at it uh and then another thing that um again surrounding like uh luke mint on cards another thing that um was pointed out to me that uh, caused a little bit of a uh conversation amongst all of us uh all of us collectors there was there and i don't know when it went but there was a um a a, a a Luke Mint on card that was advertised as just a 12C Luke, right? As as the other DTs, I believe, were, right? In terms of the header. And then in the description, it said double telescoping lightsaber, right? On a 12C punched card. And uh, uh, a, uh, a fellow collector that you and I both know had messaged me later after we had passed most of the, the, the Luke's in the auction. And, uh, I think Morphe's auction was part of the auction was still going on. The Morphe's fine. He had messaged me and said, Hey, look, a friend of mine won this bid on what he thought was a Luke DT. And it, uh, it went for like seven before the buyer's premium. And he was like, that just doesn't seem right. And I had, I don't remember it happening live. Right. So, um, he said, Hey, can you go take a look at it? And first I looked it up in the book and I saw that it was just, um, you know, if, if you people want to look it up, it's, it's lot number 1186 and it was just advertised as a header as a 12 C Luke Skywalker. Right. And then in the description, the first line is a star Wars Luke Skywalker with double telescoping lightsaber on a, a star Wars 12 C punched card. Right. Doesn't talk about anything else. Right. And says this lot is part of the 2022 Morphe find. Right. And it it did go for seven before the buyer's premium. And so I ran out to look at the uh, onto the floor to look at it, take a picture for him. Um, I don't recall at the time it being something that we were all discussing when it went, and that just could be because I was getting the free donuts or something. But um, <laughs> and uh, I, I went to take a picture, and uh, again, there were people a lot smarter than me for this, so I did ask a couple of people to look at it. But it happened to be. Uh, where it was in the case was adjacent to a regular like uh, Obi-Wan 12C, right? And that Ben's saber, the outer tip, was extended almost identical as this 12C Luke, like almost to the exact same. I think it was Matt Fox that actually pointed that out as well, too. It was like, look at it, and they're like, it looked, they were they were almost the exact same extension. And 
I was, you know, I, I think that Gowell pointed out that like, uh, you know how usually the pants are much, uh, I think, browner, right? In the in the DT leaks, or at least that's what things have shown. Um, and uh, or is it the other way around? Is it lighter? I don't know. You'll I'm know. Not or, sure. Yeah, one of it. I think it was as browner. And then we compared the one that was definitely uh, the one that we were talking about earlier with the yellow bubble, right? Uh, look at the pants, and um, but it was labeled in the description as twelve C. And the, our mutual friend was saying, like, I think he even said it doesn't look like a DT. But it says it, but I, he's like, I know that auction houses will say they're not responsible for uh, typos. <laughs> right? I don't know that. It's a pretty uh, huge typo. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's like forgetting to, you know, copy and paste. <laughs> you know, you copy and paste a previous description, then get distracted by a phone call and hit enter. <laughs> and don't go in a, and, and remove the, <laughs> the, the double telescoping part, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I don't know what's come out of that because, you know... Um, uh, clearly, uh, and so here's the funny thing about that, right? So let's think about that for just a second. Like I'm looking now, and it actually did go for it was seven plus. I got a, a seven plus buyer's premium, so it was eight eighty six hundred with the BP. And like, I don't know that you could tell that at home. So, right? I mean, again, smarter people than Ruciano in the hobby. One, but you were able to do so because as you said, you and, and Matt Fox there. were able to compare side by side with a, another single telescoping, say, you know, Ben and, yeah. and you were able to match up the sabers and say, okay, this is a single telescoping. Yeah, I, I would uh, assume, but the problem is, is like, I not being at the top of the hobby pyramid in terms of knowledge, I'm, uh, I'm starting to like wonder myself, you know, when you stare at something long enough. Right. Um, but there was a lot of evidence, you know, I guess with every carded <laughs> DT, it's like there, you know, if there's anything that skips a provenance checkbox, I'm sure it makes you wonder if it's a DT. Cause there's no way to find out if the thing's all the way, you know, if the saver's all the way in or something. Right. So this looked like it, this looked after looking, it, it looked like it wasn't a DT. And I wonder what's going to, you know, come of that, that, you know, it would be interesting to, to, you know, to, to potentially follow up with, uh, our mutual friend and see if, uh, if that's ever, you know, made note of, I, I'd never heard of the like, oopsie auction rule and in, in, in descriptions, you know, uh, so I don't, I don't know what the validity behind that, but, uh, right. Because you're looking at essentially a, a 20 to $30,000 difference, you know, in the <laughs> yeah, case of right? that. Um, yeah. What was, what was the biggest surprise for you at the auction? Uh, the, the shippers, the shipper boxes, uh, you, you know, no offense to the, um, to, to the, the shipping box community. I just didn't, um, I felt like, you know, being there with Andy Loney. Um, what was someone like Andy saying to you at that point? Was he as shocked as you were? Cause I'm sure you had to be shocked by, you know, some of these shippers, I think the first few maybe were at 275, 375, and then they reached as high as like $1,400. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you can, to answer your question, what was Andy saying? If you, if laughter is an acceptable answer, that was mostly what, what was the Andy Loney giggle was really like, what was that? <laughs> okay. What was happening there? Right. But, um, Andy, uh, you know, got the first one, which I thought was on par. And I think that, uh, I think that was a black, I better speak out of my lane here. I think it's a black, the black text, the star Wars black text where it doesn't say Kenner. Um, but to your point, what was everyone's reaction? 
it's the same thing reaction you had when I asked you about shippers. It was like, I'm not really well versed in shippers. So maybe this is what happens. You know, like it was kind of like that feel. Although Andy's laughter kind of, you know, helped, helped the level set that, that uh, interpretation of what was going on. But I, I don't, I feel like we've all known enough. Could you ever remember a shipping box that went for over a thousand dollars? Like that should be like a new trivia question. My intention at that point in the auction was the same thing I do with every auction in the past two years, which is, you know, saying, well, I'm out before it hits the floor practically. Right. Um, or the jump from what, you know, now being live in person, the jump from, uh, you know, seeing what you've last checked with it. And like, we didn't have the auction up live in front of us a lot, you know? So, you know, the last you heard and then next you heard is what, uh, when it came up for auction and, you know, what the auctioneer said, you're like, that's not what I remembered from, from this morning. <laughs> right. Um, so because you're already people out. Were getting their, their final bids in, uh, right yeah. before eight o'clock or the night before. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so it was like one of those things where when the shippers came around or when the shippers were coming, I was like, you know, that, that to me is like, if I am going after the angle of like, Hey, you know, um, this goes back to everything we talk about Dave with like, I pull, I drove there that morning and I left my house at six 30 in the morning, uh, you know, with no intention of bidding. And then you get in there and it's like, I don't need that stupid book overpriced. And you get in there like, eh, well, you know, it's, it was 75, it's 50 in house now. All right, I'll go ahead and get it. Oh, I got to give you my credit card. I'll give me, oh, in order to do that, you got to register. Okay. Then I guess, oh, I'm number 21. I like 21. That was my, that was the, <laughs> the number I used to wear back in, uh, when I pitched in high school. So, okay, I guess, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got this thing in your hand and you're in the room and you know, the, the 6.30 a.m. mark of like, I'm just driving for the experience to just kind of witness it. I, I wasn't working today, you know, to like, well, I'm ready. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my right hand to hold the number 21, my left hand to thumb through the book and then also shift to eating the free donuts, right? You know, so you get into it and, and uh, honestly, there were ones, you can ask Jonathan, I sat next to Jonathan most of the time. There were ones that I was, I, I had, I had, um, marked like literally had uh, a napkin in the page to know when it was coming, and I never even raised the twenty one once. There was at least four auctions that four before the shipper that I was gonna like just get into and see, and I never even raised it once. Never. What was the energy like in the room? Uh, because you know this auction lasted a number of hours. Do you feel like it stayed pretty steady? Um, were people around you involved in it or was it more at this point, just kind of a spectator sport where you're, you're just watching everything happen? Yeah. The latter spectator sport, 100%. It had some stuff at the top. It was fun. I think at one point, Renzi, uh, we might have photos. Renzi nodded off just for the record at one point. <laughs> uh, he was, he was caught, caught catching some Z's. Um, he, yeah, he ate it, his, uh, his deer jerky and then he, he took did, a nap. So exactly. Okay. Steve Classic. Renzi, we love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classic hibernation cycle. Uh, uh, yeah, it definitely did. It definitely killed. And that's why the shipper thing like caught the energy a bit again because, uh, you know, I mean, perfect example is I, I can tell you, I, I'd have to remember what people we know with the exception of potentially Ross. I know Ross scooped up a, uh, Ross Barr uh, scooped up a couple um, uh, a couple lots of some, uh, some you know, uh, Empire figures, Carter figures, and Jedi figures, I think, to help him, you know, um, recomplete his run. And But outside of that, I'd have to remember of anybody in the room that I know that actually won stuff. 
And, you know, I think that James Gallo got a couple things um, towards the end. I think, you know, he was into the baseball card stuff too. But, you know, the the shippers were when Andy got the first shipper. I, I know for me, I was ready to take a shipper. I was ready to go after a shipper. I thought this was a great thing, even just for, you know, um, infamous stake, right? It's a shipping box. It's, you know, all those things were pictured in the shippers, you know, uh, and it just got completely uh you know completely out of hand like way too fast i think the the same shipper that andy got for 375 two two items later like tripled right it it just it happened so quickly that it it had to be such a shock at that point yeah so it was like it was one of those things where like i you know you want to um i kept wanting to engage and uh, and, and, you know, do that thing. That's the danger of being around fellow collectors is when you try to really justify uh, a purchase, um, you know, really work it like you're like whiteboard and, you know, flow chart and how this can fit into your focus to spend this kind of money. Uh, I did that a couple of times and I never even raised my, like I said, never even raised number 21 once I was ready to, and it was over before it started. Unlike other auctions where I had been um, participating from the online portion, the, uh, I always felt that in the room had a, a, a weight to the balance of the auction. And, um, this one online bidding one, like if you had to put a percentage on it, my guess would have been in terms of action, like 90, 10, it, the, the room did not, especially since on any of the big, the big plays, the DTs or the FETs, right. Um, the the room had very little action. Very right. Little. In a lot of ways, the prices were were pretty high up there before the, the live bidding started. Right. Like a with. joke I like a joke I had with Jonathan as the auctioneer would always say, like, on my left, on my left, on my left. I got fifteen hundred on my left, right? And 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 that was referring to the internet, you know, bidders that were monitoring on 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 what is our left. That's what was bugging me. Cause he was, he was, he was, he was doing, he was on stage speaking of audience left when you should be saying like on my right. And he would use his right hand to point to that and still <laughs> say 1500 on my left. That's uh, the producer can, in you. Absolutely. Can I get, can I get 1600 on my left? I mean, I kind of marveled at it because he's using his right hand and saying the word left, but it really bothered the crap out of me. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> to, to that point, it was like uh, the, uh, the, the, the action online, like it wasn't even close to the room wasn't even close. And I always felt with previous auctions that I'd been a part of, you know, for a while now, like I always feel there's somewhat of a room presence and this one was just not. And, uh, it, it seemed actually a little depressing. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So this was the first major auction of the year. Um, do you think that the prices that were realized, especially for the 450 carded figures for that first part that, that Morphe find, do you think that that's uh, a pretty good gauge of the market right now for Star Wars action figures, or do you think this is more of an outlier? Uh, God, another good question, Dave. You're getting good at this. You should, you should do this a lot. Um, you ever thought of podcasting? Um, it's, it's funny because I, I feel like you're asking a question that would involve like a comparison of, of metrics to see um, on like a granular level is are things getting better or worse? Are they going up or down or whatever? And no, I, I really I, I really want to see this more from your gut. You know, what 
what you've, the, the sense that you feel like, does this, does what you're seeing in the Facebook groups and on eBay and in the collector community, does this align with what we're seeing at the Morphe auction? Or is this something that's just totally different? Is it appealing to a different audience? Maybe. Um, it's definitely different. It's, it's, um, you know, if you're asking for an, like my gut assessment as somebody who I consider myself active in the hobby now, right. And, um, especially in, in recent years, I would say that my, my gut reaction is the same thing as the, the last two years of auctions, which is, uh, it sucks. Like it's, it's like, I not getting into like specifics of like, Oh, well this showed a decrease in fat 21s, you know, and as opposed to that, like not even just thinking about that stuff. Like I, I generally had like a depressed feeling once again about this. And I knew I'm not surprised, you know, I, I probably knew it was coming, especially adding up uh, a label to it. You know, the, the, the Morphe's fine label to attract, you know, more money and more bidders. Right. Uh, not that that was their intention. I just meant that that's a, that's a byproduct of, of saying and advertising something like that. Right. I'm not knocking the concept. Behind. Right. This whole thing was, you know, it was a, essentially a, a three month campaign. It was this huge yeah. launch that started with, you know, these, these jaw dropping photos that had everyone talking about it for weeks and months. And then, you know, the auction came on, uh, it, it went live and we got to see the items and, you know, they took really great pictures. We got to see each piece, you know, the fact that there were eight carded Boba Fetts and five double telescoping Lukes and, you know, basically a handful of every really single nice figure. ones, Dave. Yeah. Like that's the other thing. When I saw that in person stuff in person, like I, there was a, I don't remember which fed it was. You could probably look it up. It was one of the, the, the ones to go on the, I think the, it might've even been the last one. Uh, it was, it was really nice. Like it was seeing a couple of these in person. It was, it was, um, like, I, I get what you're saying and, and I get what, you know, I agree. Cause obviously I was getting, I was leaning towards that as well with the marketing concept, but I, I don't see any slight in that because in the end, uh, the, the, the baseline for this is that there was, uh, something that we don't see anymore. Right. There was something there. Um, the figures looked gore. A lot of them look gorgeous. Like, I don't understand how, <laughs> how a, a box, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that could protect some of this. If the pictures were accurate that they, you know, were how they were stored and things like that. Right. Um, it was, um, it, that was still there. That, that, ba that, that, uh, denominator that the, uh, that this kind of fine did exist. I used air quotes again under fine for you, Dave. Um, Thank you. Yep. That it, <laughs> it's still, it, it, that's still there. So the marketing side of it didn't, didn't bother me um, as much uh, because I was, I was succumbing to it myself. I was, mm -hmm. like I just said, I was considered bidding just to walk. Like I even tried to back in, a, talk about like backing in justifications to, to, to get something. Like, I think everybody knows that like, you know, like Leia Hoth is not, in my focus at all, but like there was a lot of empire strikes back uh, that had like a, a 41 E I think it was cause it was awful as uh, like a Leia Hoth that, that even when I went out and looked at it again, it was the most beat up thing in the lot of this little ESB lot. Right. It was like bent corners and cracked bubble and full like wavy card. And I was like, I'll get it. I'm going to go after this, you know, cause it's Leia. So that's sure. definitely something that I can just tell my grandkids why I, 
I did this to have something from the Morphe find air quotes again, Dave. So basically um, you in an auction house is not a good thing. <laughs> it's like Vegas. It's essentially <laughs> like Vegas. Yeah. Would you, it's been, would you go to another one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've been to a couple, you know, uh, I, I, I want, I, I think, um, I think it changes seeing it. And I think I wanted to go back to the earlier thing we we're talking about with that questionable, uh, Luke 12 C that was, um, had a write up as being double double telescoping. Uh, the interesting thing about that, right, would be that if that thing only went for seven and it was advertised as double double telescoping, where every all the other ones went for twenty plus, you know, up to over thirty. How how is that visible in pictures to people? That's a you know that that makes you wonder about the. We always assume the people bidding on these are not hobbyists. Not I don't I don't want to make it. A general statement like that, but we've always, at least I, I don't how about I, and I know you and I have discussed that a lot of these, you know, potential people, micro investors, and all this other stuff that, uh, that in my opinion, wouldn't notice or care to think that they're getting duped by an auction house that it's double telescoping or not, right? But the only way that I noticed it wasn't was in person. And yet, not many people in the room were bidding on those in person. So I just really wonder how and why that went for seven when the only way that I, and again, I'm not as educated as others, noticed that it wasn't a DT or what I'm thinking is not a DT in others is by looking in person, not from the pictures, you know, unless so, you go with the, the, the pants color, the, the shade of the pants theory, but. Right. So there really is a value in being there in person beyond just, you know, having a a day with with our friends and and fellow collectors who love this stuff. I mean, we to to sit in in one room and to talk about this stuff for hours and to look at this, you know, beautiful, amazing collection um had to be incredible. Um I'm glad to hear that you would come back, you know, again to it. I'm I'm hoping to be able to go to, to one with you uh, at some point and uh you know, if there's another whether it's a Morphe auction or somewhere, you know, where it's close enough for all of us to travel, um you know, I really hope this becomes a thing. I, I I like it that it's it's just another type of meetup now that collectors can have. Yeah, I, I'm curious if other people, you know, you know, get as down about uh, what's been happening with the auctions. You know, um, uh, I think it, it, I think it also is just you know how how long you've been in, um, invested in the hobby, not just financially, but just time as well too. Um, you know, I think I think I saw in your part one. We were just talking before we started recording about somebody that and it was engaging you in the comments. And there, I think, what was their their comment? Like, you know, like answering the question, like, what did you think? And it was like, what I thought is, I can't buy this stuff anymore. <laughs> Basically, right? If you were going to try to convince one of our friends who wasn't able to attend this particular auction uh, to come to the next one, what would you say to them? At the very least, there's donuts. Okay, here comes the early bird set with the DT Luke. All the baggies are sealed, but it doesn't have all the accessories, stickers, and things like that that goes in the bird kit. So let's see what this goes for. In the shipping box, beautiful piece here. What do we have? Twelve thousand dollars on the line. I need thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand. Twelve thousand here. How about thirteen thousand? Thirteen thousand. How about thirteen? Thirteen out of fourteen thousand. I have thirteen thousand here. Fourteen th
Everyone's in for 14. Now about 14,000. 14, 14, number 14,000. Any events at 14,000? Someday I'm going to have one of these, but it sure isn't going to be today. I have been into 13,000 online, 14,000. Here we go. 15,000. 15,000. 15,000. 15,000. Any events at 15,000? I have 14,000 online, but 15,000. Now 15,000. 15, I'll be out there here in a minute. 16,000. 16,000. 16,000. 15000 And for our final collector's conversation about the auction, I wanted to speak with Sam. In the previous episode, he shared a quick overview of his experience during his ride back home to West Virginia. But I had a few more questions for him, and really wanted to chat with him about his time in Pennsylvania. Sam, I want to thank you so much for recording live from the auction. Uh, it sounded like it was a fantastic time for you. Uh, just overall, what was your impression coming away from, from the Morphe auction? I had a great time um, for a couple different reasons. It was fantastic just to see all of the items. That was the main draw for me. Um, I'm not, I'm a budget collector. I mean, I, I've got some nice pieces, but, but those, uh, you know, Five-figure pieces are not not what's in my collection, so um, I it, that had the draw to go see those those items. So first of all, from that perspective, that did not disappoint. Um, the items were amazing, the, um, and then also just hanging around with some friends. I have a a buddy that I met at a show in uh, Columbus. Um, and on in some Facebook groups that uh, convinced him to go, so we both drove over and met up there and and kind of kind of experienced everything together. So that it was cool hanging out with him and you know the um, the folks from Collector Archive Services were there and um, kind of by accident happenstance ended up going out to dinner with them one night. So that was that was enjoyable and fun and. They got, I got to air all of my grievances, uh, in person. So that was, that was fun. And they were very, very good people. Um, and I've gotten to know some of them at, you know, by seeing them at shows and conventions. So it was nice to see them. And, um, yeah, just overall, it was, it was a great experience. The auction, I, I, I'm a process person. So I was curious how the whole telephone bidding, online bidding and live bidding would all kind of interact and intersect because this auction was a little bit different than what I think the Star Wars community is accustomed to with Hakes um, and some of the other auction houses. So I was just curious how it would all work. And, and Morphe's was a first-class professional um, 
auction house. I, I was very impressed with them. So, yeah, overall, it was it was wonderful. For you, what was the benefit of going to an in-person experience like this? Well, a couple of things. There, from a from a collectible standpoint, uh, one benefit of going in person was, while I think they did a great job with the photos and stuff online, there were a handful of pieces that I had made some notes on that I thought. Um, it looked like there was a crease in a card or a dent in a bubble or, or something like that. And when I went and viewed them in person, um, it, it, you know, they were, they were much better than what I thought they were by looking at them online. And then there was also a couple of pieces, you know, that were the opposite that I thought were really great. Um, and you know, might've bid for them online. But then when I went and, you know, previewed them the day before, you know, saw a, a, a problem, you know, with them. So that was one kind of collector benefit. And then, you know, the, the other benefit was just the experience of, of hanging around, you know, like-minded fellow collectors and, uh, you know, spend, you know, having, having a couple of meals with, with some friends and, and, you know, the day of the auction sitting there and kind of, uh, discussing what was going on with, with people and seeing if, if your, your eye and your impression of the market was, was the same as everyone else. And, uh, you know, so that that was very beneficial. It, it was it was great. I, I'm very glad that I went and you know spent the two nights in a hotel and you know out to dinner and a and a couple tanks of gas. It, it was well worth it to me. I like that you had the full experience. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, you you got to speak to um, you know to people from the grading company CAS. Um, you got to speak to collectors that either you knew previously that, you know, friends that, that like a friend that you had met in, in Columbus and then friends that you hadn't met previously in person. Um, and then you were able to, you know, to sit and, and kind of geek out like we always do, you know, in a room where a star Wars auction is happening. Um, was the, what was the energy in the room like during the entirety? Cause it was a few hours. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I actually kind kind of expected there to be a little more action than there was in the room. Um, it was pretty laid back and fairly quiet. I mean, if, if you did talk to your person sitting next to you, you kind of whispered kind of like you were at a, in a movie theater or something like that. It wasn't, um, overly active. There were a few moments during the auction where there kind of got a buzz in the room as, as the prices started soaring a little bit. Um, and I'd hopefully I captured that a little bit for you with my recordings. Um, but overall, the vibe in the room was kind of laid back, um, which was good. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't tense or or anything like that. So, um, and Morphe's you know was very hospitable. So it was you know the facility was great. The the chairs were comfortable. The uh, they provided breakfast and lunch for anyone that was there for free um, in attendance. So yeah. It, it, it was it was great, and there was there was a good vibe in the room. Especially at the beginning, you could tell there was kind of a um, a tension as as far as okay, you know, how's this going to go? And while and there was also while I was there um, previewing the day before, uh, I'm fairly certain that I that I was there while one of the consignment one of the family members was was there, and I could I could tell that she was nervous. Um, and so there was some nervousness in the room. There was some, some tension and also just excitement and curiosity. Do you think the, the atmosphere in the room the day of would have been different if 
there wasn't the element of online pre-bidding. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah, I, because I know when I went to bed the night before the auction, I had picked out five or six items that I kind of had a had had told myself, okay, I've got a, a puncher's chance of maybe walking away with one of these items. Um, but then when I woke up in the morning and I kind of got online and looked and saw where the bid, the bids really spiked overnight. And when I looked at them, it kind of, you know, deflated a little bit, the expectations, which was all still fine. But, but definitely had there not been the online bidding, it would have been, I think it would have been much more crowded because I think people would have been more anxious and, and more willing to make the trip in person. And, um, and, and, you know, also would have been more action on each item for sure. Sam, I give you a lot of credit because um, I know, you know, you and I had talked in the weeks and months leading up to this and you would actually, you would put the work in, you know, to, to look at the different items, to figure out which ones you were targeting, what their current values were and, and where you felt comfortable as far as bidding. Um, having that preparation and then going into the auction and, and seeing how it, it all you know rolled out. Is there any advice that you could give to somebody who might be preparing for a next auction? Yeah, definitely. You know, doing the homework is key um, because you can, especially if it's an in-person auction like this one was for me, you can get the fever. And, I, and I'm sure that can that can happen online too, where you can get excited and and, you know, as the bidding goes up and you can have your heart set on an item, but you really have to do your research and, you know, go go online to the various Facebook groups and eBay and past auctions and, and see, you know, what the market value is on the item you're interested in and and really pick out uh, what what you're you're willing to pay. And, you know, the other part of it, too, is. You, and I've seen some comments online and things, you know, you really have to factor in that buyer's premium and sales tax. So it's it's real easy during the live auction to kind of forget that. So what I did in my preparation was on the on the list I made on the lots that I was interested in, you know, I, I put a number that was my max bid and I circled it and knowing that during the live action and the excitement and everything, that I probably wouldn't be able to calculate that buyer's premium and, and everything in my head as it was going. Cause as you know, these, these auctions went very quickly, you know, less than a minute a piece. So I, I, knowing, knowing that, you know, it was critical that you have kind of a cap and you, you stick to that cap and, and not, not deviate from that. Otherwise, you know, you could go and uh, make, make some mistakes real quick. I think that's all level-headed and solid advice. And I love the fact that you you do prepare for something like that because you're right. We we can get caught up in the moment, um, and and I think you're a better collector for it, you know, or or your collection benefits because you are able to to filter out, you know, uh, from from making you know choices in the moment that that might be uh, <laughs> a little more expensive, right? A little more uh, impactful on your wallet. Yeah, and I have to admit that that was that was different for me because I'm more of a shoot from the hip kind of collector. Um, and I've, you know, made mistakes in the past, but I, I'm disciplined enough to, you know, I'm not, I'm not spending mortgage money on, on star Wars toys. So if I do make a mistake, it's not fatal, but, um, 
but for this, I, you know, I did put the time in and, and, and it, it, it paid off. It paid off because I didn't walk away with, with any of the, the expensive items. So, um, otherwise shoot by the hip, hey, Sam might've, might have ended up, uh, you know, getting, getting the competitive side might've come out and I might've made a mistake. So sure. uh, the other, the other advice I'd offer is just, if you get a chance to attend something like this, do it, it you know, was this your first auction that you attended as far as a Star Wars based auction in person? Yeah, for sure. I've been to some local estate sale type auctions, you know, where they're auctioning off dishes and plates and then there might be a, you know, yellowed Millennium Falcon mixed with a couple of figures, that type of thing. But a quote unquote real auction, this was my first one. Okay. And I know you and I had talked about some of the prices and some of the things that you witnessed while you were in the room. Um, was there anything that, that struck you or that was surprising while you were there that day? Yeah, there were a couple things. In the, the first part of the auction, the prices of the 12-back Chewbacca's and to some extent the 3PO's um, seemed high. I mean, th- those are great figures, and I have one of each of them in my collection. And um, I love 3PO and Chewbacca, but I think every, you know it's it's accepted that those aren't the most high priced 12 backs out there, but the, the prices of those seem to, and there was a handful of Chewbacca's that kind of went in that first hour, hour and a half. And it seemed like there must've been a couple Chewbacca fans that were bidding against each other. So, and that created a little bit of stir in the room. Everyone was kind of like, what the heck's up with Chewbacca? But, um, do you, do you uh, have any, did like, were you able to figure anything out as to, to why? no, and that, that, and so after the auction or, you know, when I'd stepped away and would be in the break room and there'd be somebody that I knew in there and, you know, and I could kind of talk more plainly, I'd be like, am I, was I missing something on, on those Chewbacca's? And, and they, you know, they would answer, no, we have no idea what's going on. So. Okay. So just most likely people that, um, are collectors or are Chewbacca and C3PO fans and maybe got caught up or maybe people who, um, who don't have a, a more solid understanding of the, the current values right now. Yeah, I think I think it's probably that last thing you mentioned. I mean, I'm just guessing, but just the way the whole entire auction went, I'm guessing uh, it was kind of the you know the latter there. But yeah, then you know the other thing that, that surprised me was that fourth double telescoping Luke uh, bent on card. Because the first three kind of all went around the set well, really the, the four out of the five went you know, between I think twenty-two and twenty-six thousand dollars a piece for the for the four of them, but for some reason that fourth one is the one that went for I think thirty-four thousand something like that plus buyer's premium. And in my opinion, it was the worst condition of the five. So as that was going on, we were all trying to figure out: okay, is there some sort of card variant on this one, or is this? some sort of figure variant what you know what was causing this one to go up because the the other the other four pretty much there wasn't much action after the bidding started so i think you know the the online high bid might have been 22,000 and and maybe there might have been one additional bid or two additional bids um, but that fourth one there was quite a bit of back and forth going so it gave me the impression that there were at least two if not more people that maybe knew something the rest of us didn't. So I'm not sure what went on with that. And I would love to know the story behind it. 
because it's it just as a collector makes you think that somebody knows something you don't and you definitely want to know know you know as much as you can about the hobby and, and especially something as rare as, as those carded dt lukes yeah i i felt the same way and um I, you know from talking to other collectors too I, I think there was that sense where people are still trying to figure out what the deal is with that whether it was you know you had at least two people that got caught up in in bidding or somebody knew something um or just somebody wanted to secure a double telescoping luke and that was their opportunity yeah maybe the, maybe they uh, couldn't wait on that fifth one i guess <laughs> Maybe, or or they were afraid that the fifth one would go even higher, right? I well, mean, yeah. Did you? I don't know if you and I had talked about this earlier, but did you notice? Was there like a trend? Because you know, for each of these figures or characters, there were anywhere from four to eight figures, carded figures that were up for auction, and they were sold at different points within the auction. So if if um, you were looking for, you know, again, like the double telescoping Luke. Uh, there was one at the very beginning, and then they were scattered out. Um, and did you, being in the room and, and, and witnessing all of the the um, individual lots, did you see any sort of trend with how the figures sold as far as prices, according to you know whether they were like the first ones or the middle group or the, the last ones? Yeah, I, well, it, it, I definitely my expectations um, were incorrect on it because I think in reality they all sort of went around the same price like the the boba fets all were around 13 14,000 um so and they were consistent throughout the whole the whole auction you know whether it was an early one or a late one same same with the double telescoping lukes with the exception of that fourth one they were all consistent whether it be at the very beginning of the auction or at the end of the auction and i kind of went into it thinking that maybe towards the end the you know you might you might get a better deal for a few reasons. Maybe there was only a handful of people targeting the same figure you were. So if four of them went, maybe I would have a chance at the fifth one uh, for a lesser price. Uh, part of me wondered, well, maybe they might get more expensive as the auction went, but uh, that didn't happen either. It, se- it seems like, you know, the I haven't gone back and looked, but it seemed like, you know, the a New Hope Leia's probably were all within a couple thousand, or not a couple thousand, but a, a couple hundred dollars of each other. I think they all kind of went in the same range, and and the prices were actually fairly consistent throughout the auction, whether it be at the beginning or the end. There wasn't a tailing off or a spiking up, and that that surprised me. Well, that makes sense. Um, I, we know that Morphe changed the way that they were selling the items because originally they were selling them in lots according to character. Um, do you think that this change in it, by selling in individual lots? Do you think that this change helped or hurt the auction? Oh, I think it helped, and I, I'm grateful to all of the collectors that that reached out to Morphe's after they posted the find. Um, and 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 I, th- I saw on some YouTube videos where there were several people that had reached out to them, and uh, I, I'll say this. Being there and talking to the people at Morphe's, they were thrilled with everybody sharing knowledge um, and educating. They they weren't upset or they didn't get offended that that the community you know thought they should do this differently or that differently. They were very very open to um, to suggestions and to information. So credit them for that. And I think you know changing from the original strategy of 
all the Boba Fett's in a lot, all the Luke's in a lot, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that they did change that and sell them in more individual lots is proof, you know, that they were open. And I, I think that definitely helped the community. I, had they left them, had there not been 400 lots and there had only been 40 different lots, you know, the, the common collector like, like you and I wouldn't even have, would, wouldn't even have had a chance at it. I, I certainly wouldn't have driven five and a half hours to go watch it. Um, because you know, it would have been just a handful of people that would have been able to, to put that kind of money together to, to get, to get, into the auction. What was your favorite moment from the day? <laughs> the my favorite moment of the day was probably I forget the lot number, but I did actually get to raise my hand and bid on one of the twelve back Darth Vaders because that was that was really my target going into the auction. I have a complete twelve back um, carded run, but my collection is. Um, 70 75 grade uh carded figures so um just because that's what fits my budget and i'm happy with them and they, they look nice they display nice uh, but my thought process was well hey if i can and, and my my vader is probably the least condition the, the, the worst condition of all of them so my thought process was hey if i can upgrade my my 12 back darth vader i think that's what i'm going to try to do plus there was a lot of other 20 back and 21 back vaders in the auction so i thought you know, I had a shot, uh, perhaps. And that was what I referenced before about waking up in the morning and looking at the the prices, you know, when I'd went to bed, a couple of the, the Vaders were, were a few hundred dollars below my max, um, target price. So I was kind of optimistic that I might have a shot at one of them. And, and that, I think it was the last 12 back Vader from the Morphe fine, not one of the ones at the end where, uh, someone had submitted some other other uh, items to to auction, but you know the the bidding started. I think the bidding was was at eighteen hundred. Well, my max bid I'd written down was sixteen, but I thought, okay, I'll what's a couple hundred dollars? I raised, I was excited, raised my number six auction number, and and said eighteen hundred, and and guy pointed at me, and said I got eighteen hundred, and then I was I turned and looked at my friend, and then. The next thing I heard was, "Okay, we're at thirty-two hundred. <laughs> and he looked oh at gosh. me, and I just, I just shrugged my shoulders and started laughing. So, <laughs> so for about for about four seconds, I was the high bidder on, on one of the Morphe find items. So that that was my favorite part. But uh, besides that, it was it really was just the hanging out, um, you know, with with everybody that was there and 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 spending the time getting to know." fellow collector friends a little bit more. So, I mean, that was definitely the, the benefit of going for sure. I'm, I'm I, so glad it, it was, it was, it was just fun. It was just fun. That's the only way I can sum it all up. I'm so glad it was such a positive experience for you. Uh, I, I look forward to, uh, to doing one with you at some point, you know, cause I, I think we're going to start to see that, you know, we'll probably have some meetups and stuff centered around, you know, these, these bigger auctions. And, uh, and I, I think that's a really nice thing. It, it's just another excuse for collectors to come together and to, you know, gawk at star Wars items and hopefully win a few. Absolutely. I, I, I think so too. And, you know, you know, maybe after this auction, some of the other auction houses change up the way they do it, and maybe they'll they'll try to do more of a live auction setting. You know, who knows? Because I I would I would definitely say that this auction was a success for the consigners and for the auction house. 
So maybe other people will, will try to mimic it. Who knows? And we'll have to travel and, uh, and have an adventure together. That'd be awesome. I'd, I would love that. Sounds good, Sam. Thank you again so much for recording from uh, live from the experience. And uh, I'm so happy to hear that it was such a good one for you. Thanks, David. I appreciate you having me on and uh, happy to help in any way. I listen to your podcast all the time. And if I can help you, I'm happy to do so. And here's to the West Virginia Club, too. If anyone wants to be a part of that, how would they how would they do so? Yeah, the easiest thing to do would be to go onto Facebook and just type in West Virginia Star Wars Collectors Club. And you'll see a couple of them pop up because there was an old one um, that's not active anymore. The one you're looking for has a uh, R2-D2 on the on the cover of the group. So that's the one you want. Just ask to join. And you don't have to be a West Virginia resident or anything like that. Um, just just ask to join and, and would love to have you. And trying to plan some meetups now. We have a show in New Martinsville, West Virginia, in June of every year. I believe it's the, the Saturday before Father's Day this year. And, you know, come to that. We're going to try to do some other meetups throughout the year and, and just have a good time. Awesome. I love that you're you're connecting the community in a really positive way and a special way too, Sam. So, all right. Thank you so much again for taking the time. And uh, it was great to hear really, you know, truly about the whole experience for you from your perspective. No problem. Anytime. And that is a look at the February Morphe Star Wars auction from the collectors who were there that day. I hope this series gave you a better understanding of the first major auction of the year, and how it became a meet-up event for Star Wars collectors. I felt the Morphe auction was worth covering for the podcast. After lagging sales and diminishing interest in collectibles in the second half of the year, these results may suggest a resurgence. But at the same time, it's hard to predict how the Star Wars carded figure market will perform for the rest of the year. And with the current state of the economy, and with what we've been seeing in the collecting groups, I don't know if these values are sustainable over the next 12 months. Regardless, auctions and assessing the collecting market is fun. But for most collectors, those are merely pieces of a multifaceted and vibrant hobby. Truly, the best part about the Morphe auction is that it offered collectors a chance to spend time together in the same room, around the collectibles they love. And I hope this series introduced you to a few collectors you didn't know previously. Or if you knew them, or knew of them, that you had the chance to get to know them a little better, and to see the world of Kenner Toys and collecting through their eyes. I'd like to thank Sam, Steve, Eric, Jonathan, Mark, Andy, and Matt for taking the time to sit down for collector conversations and for recording segments live from the day of the auction. I really learned so much from them through our chats, and even though I wasn't able to be with them at this event, through the magic of these episodes, I feel like I was there. And I hope you felt the same way too. I thought I'd share some of the key pieces I'm taking with me from these conversations, just to make sure we don't forget them. If you're going to an auction, prepare for it in advance. 
Set your spending limits ahead of time and make sure to include the buyer's premium and any taxes and fees in your max bids. Make sure to read each listing carefully. Some of the information may not be correct, and you'll either overspend or you'll pick up an item for a value price as a result of the auction house's mistake. And while you're there and examining the items in person, pay attention to the conversations happening all around you. You might see certain pieces from a new perspective. In addition to being wonderful people, our collecting friends are just as passionate as we are when it comes to Star Wars memorabilia. Spend as much time with them as you can. The moments and conversations together are enlightening. They're memorable. And they're rewarding. And they really make the trip and the day worthwhile. And finally, when it comes to feeding its bitters, Morphe seems to deliver on the free food. You can't go wrong with Sloppy Joes and pizza for a hungry room of bitters. So with that, we're ready for our next adventure in this new year. Remember to treat others as you'd like to be treated, strive to build lasting relationships with the collectors around you, and remember what brought you this far in your collecting journey, the shared love of the figures and souvenirs from a galaxy far, far away. Keep collecting and keep connecting. See you next time on Star Wars Prototypes and Production.